And welcome into the show, everybody. Jesse Cassie with you for another brand new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether it's your first time or you're returning. Very happy to have you here with us as we have a really fun episode on tap this week. But before we get there, I want to let you know if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. We are also available wherever else podcasts can be found, including Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. And please follow along at the social media handles for the Believe Podcast Network, at Believe Podcasts and at Believe Sports. And follow me on Twitter, at Jesse underscore Cass. So with all that said, we mentioned a great show this week, the great Brian Seaman, the Clippers television play-by-play broadcaster on the show. He, of course, had a long run as the radio voice for the Clippers. And now, after Ralph Lawler's retirement, Brian has done such a tremendous job in his first year behind the camera on the television side of things. Brian has done a great job and we have a really fun and exciting conversation with him kind of detailing everything his his path to where he is now the Clippers season this year some of his favorite moments and what he potentially thinks a continuation of the season could look like so we cover a lot on this episode and got a lot of tremendous insight from Brian Seaman so we're not going to waste any time here it is Brian Seaman on the Believe in Clippers podcast All right, now joined here on the Believe in Clippers podcast by Clippers TV play-by-play, the great Brian Seaman. Brian, thanks so much for coming on the show. Jesse, always great to chat with you. I, I believe our our friendship goes back, I want to say, almost 10 years. If that's not, uh, I think that's pretty close to it. Am I pretty accurate on that? Yeah, I think so, because I obviously, I've been working with LMU basketball and doing the play-by-play there. just finished my eighth season but I was kind of getting started about 10 years ago I think that's when when I initially reached out and and yeah you've been so gracious to allow me to sit in on a few games and, and just stay in contact for these years so yeah crazy that 10 years uh, have flown by I mean I, and I, I just turned 21 so it's it's amazing that we met you know when <laughs> we were 10 11 years old and look at <laughs> look at what we've done yeah it's always great to be here and the, the privilege was all ours when you were coming in and, and sitting in with us but it's great to talk to you today yeah absolutely and um obviously we're here under still very extreme and, and unique weird circumstances but how are you and your family holding up during these times where a lot of uncertainty and not really knowing when of course you or the nba or really anyone will be able to get back to work you know we just talked briefly about it before we got on the air i i, I kept going back to the lockout for the nba back in 2011 and what a different feeling it is for me personally, uh, in 2011, I was bummed out. There was no basketball. We weren't getting paid. And the threat loomed like indefinitely. We just didn't know if the, the two sides could come to an agreement and it could wipe out an entire season. And I was really bummed out every day. I missed basketball, but there were other sports and other things to do with this and the NBA being canceled along with Major League Baseball and the NCAA tournament and the Masters and all these great things. It's such a catastrophic situation that, like, emotionally, I'm just like, well, we're all in the same boat. Yeah, I miss basketball, but um, we're all here together. And so it isn't like somebody's having an advantage and and others are not. So I've tried to make the most of it. I've got two boys, and my wife and I are here at home, and we're trying to make the most of it, have a good time, understanding that there are people suffering and and that we'll suffer going forward. But um, you have to kind of 
play the cards you're dealt. And right now we're all just sitting and, and obeying what we think are should be the rules of staying at home and, and you know only going out for essential items. But we will all make it through, and there will be basketball one day, I hope, in our near future. Yeah, hopefully so. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, but we know that we saw uh, you staying busy, as you said, with your family. Uh, I saw a video recently where you were announcing uh, one of your young sons in the backyard. Uh, how was that for you to, to film that little thing with your son to throw that up on the on social media? It was fun. I had both my boys, uh, kind of my young, my oldest was a stage manager who was very <laughs> properly taking care of his hands after handing me the read. My youngest son took our dog, Freddie, off the dribble straight to the rack for an and one. <laughs> it was a, it was great. I, I, you know, it's funny. I tried to put on a suit. And uh, I just felt weird. I, I just felt really <laughs> weird. And so I didn't complete the whole thing. I just I wore sweatpants and a suit with a tie. Uh, it felt weird, but I missed it. Like, I'm usually a, a T-shirt and jeans kind of guy, but I, I did miss wearing the suit. And, again, I, I hope to wear one uh, in the near future. Yeah, and, and as you said, it's obviously there are much bigger things in the world going on, but – just for you personally, and, and this Clippers team this year, this is obviously one of the best teams they've ever ever had, one of the best chances they've ever had to be a real championship contender, just from that standpoint. How frustrating is it to kind of be in this holding pattern of during a year, especially when they really have a real shot to win the championship? You know, my thought goes out to two different groups. It's the fans who were so excited, and, and there still might be an opportunity to celebrate all this hard work, and their, you know, their patience being Clipper fans, but they were just so giddy. You know, right now this is uh, we should be getting ready for Game Two against whomever we would have played in the first round. Uh, and I thought about the fans and just having to delay this potential excitement. Then I thought about the front office and the work that they've done, not only just signing Kawhi and Paul George, but this goes back three or four years and setting the table. And, and the, the one silver lining for me with all of this is. You know, let's say doomsday scenario. Let's say nothing happens uh, and, the, and the NBA is unable to come back and they just scrap the season. The way that I'm approaching it is that, you know, 10 years ago, uh, the Clippers were young with Blake and DeAndre and they ultimately got Chris Paul. I felt at that time that once that talent cycle was gone, it was going to be a long process again for the Clippers to kind of rebuild themselves into a, a title contender. In a doomsday scenario that we don't come back, in my mind, this front office has laid the groundwork for years and the mentality and the, and the reputation that they now have that going beyond this talent cycle, they're, they're always going to be a, a, at least a player away or at most a player away from being back in the conversation because that front office is so great, because ownership is so dedicated. If we have to delay our celebration of a championship an extra year, yeah, that's a bummer for sure. But I do believe that it's in the future and that going forward, the Clippers are going to be around for a very long time. And that, that goes beyond this talent cycle. So that's the one silver lining that I have. I just, I just love what Lawrence Frank and his group have done these last few years and the commitment that all the fans see from Steve Ballmer. It is real. It is a real commitment. You've seen it this year. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic that we will see it again this year. Yeah, and, and when we met up last year, it was just before the playoffs where the Clippers, of course, took on the Warriors. I think there was, I heard it in your voice, I felt it myself, a great sense of optimism of the Clippers having a big summer. And, of course, Kawhi Leonard being the prize of that. 
it ended up being even bigger than that with the addition of Paul George and everything everything they put together around that. But what was that like this past July from your perspective to kind of see that all unfold and see the Clippers actually get it done and bring in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to build the team we see now? You know, I, I, in my mind, there are two equal levels of, of excitement for fans, and they're on different ends of the spectrum. There's the, 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 the feeling that we had a, a year ago at this time, the optimism. And that is such a fun place to live, to be optimistic about your team and just the wide range of options that the Clippers could have done. They could have traded for somebody. They could have signed somebody. They did both. Um, they had so much like going for them. It was just a fun place to exist. And then when it actually happens, you know, it's, it's not often that you go from optimism to contender overnight. And that's exactly what happened. And the thrill ride of that free agency week. And I don't know if it was a thrill ride. I, I was super optimistic about what the, the front office could do, but boy, man, I was getting worried. It came down to the, <laughs> came down to the wire. Uh, I was very, very, very excited when I saw the news. I had turned off notifications on my phone of all days to do it. I don't know why. And then I woke up to about 20 text messages uh, and none of them really stated anything other than, wow, I can't believe it. Great stuff. <laughs> And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And, of course, we all go to the, uh, you know, the, the Bible when it comes to NBA news, and that was looking for the Woj bomb. And I saw it at, you know, maybe 5.30, 6.30 in the morning. And it's been fun, man. It's been fun to watch it. And I felt like the Clippers this season have really handled it in stride. And, you know, they aren't trying to come out and win 75 games. They understand this is a long season. I thought Doc and, and company managed it so well to this point. And, um, you know, again, it, it's going to be, it's going to happen. I'm so optimistic about it. It's going to happen. We just have to continue to be patient. Yeah. And you alluded to it a little bit there with the Clippers, obviously playing it safe in terms of keeping their players healthy. And we know that Kawhi has been dealing with, you know, the injury that he has to manage for not playing back to backs and all the other injuries that have taken place with this team. And with all of that said, still in the second seat as we sit right now and, potentially in a great place if the season is able to continue at any point. Uh, what has it been like for you seeing this team kind of battle through those injuries and still be able to be a successful and productive team no matter who's on the floor? You know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to what they do in the playoffs. Like, right, you know, I yeah. mean, that, that was the biggest barometer. Having said that, I, I really think the Clippers, despite being a two-seed, despite having all the wins that they've had against major teams, right, I thought they were a sleeping giant, if you want me to be honest. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me fresh, but um, I mean, think of all the games that both Kawhi and PG missed in terms of not playing together. Like, just the yeah. your two most important players having such a limited time together. I want to say it was around 20 or 25 games, and then they're only playing maybe 18 to 22 minutes together on the floor at the same time. Um, you know, the different starting lineups. I want to say the Clippers had the third or fourth most different starting lineups in the league. So you come in with a new team, you have no continuity in the starting five, yet you're a top five offense and a top five defense. Like, to me, that's insane. Yeah. All due respect. All due respect to Milwaukee, who I think has played the best this year, right? I think they are clear-cut number one. The record shows it. The stats show it. I don't think it's fool's gold. The Lakers have been terrific as well. They gelled and meshed together. Knock on wood that if we come back, there are no injuries there. But I, I just look at what the Clippers did 
kind of in third gear, if you want me to be really honest. They started to pick it up a little bit heading into this, you know, isolation situation that we're in. But I mean it, man. I felt like they struggled and they were top five in both categories. That's insane to me. And I think it's only going to get better as we go forward. Yeah, I think that was really evident, as you said, especially early in the season. You saw some games where they really weren't playing well at all and would find kind of a, a gear with, of course, Kawhi doing what he does in the fourth quarter and just kind of pull out games. And then really recently over the past few weeks before the season ended, you saw it kind of trending in the other direction where they were kind of putting full games together and looking like we thought they would. Yeah, and I mean, winning is the best teacher. Doc always says that. And they were able to win games just on talent. Um, and then there was a stretch where they just outplayed everybody. The execution wasn't great, but they just played harder. Then the execution and the kind of the, the toughness and uh, all came together in that stretch leading into our hiatus. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I shouldn't be so brash to say it'll come right back because it won't. I mean, they'll have to kind of break off the rust like everybody. But, um, you know, one thing that's been pretty great is, is, you know, I'll state the obvious is Doc Rivers. He's always got some kind of either saying or message to to galvanize the team. And in this case, I think all the fans and that's win the weight. I remember seeing that video and I just shook my head like he's done it again. Like what a cool <laughs> phrase to say and, and what a thing to think about. You know, there's probably only a handful of teams that are in this hiatus really focusing in on trying to stay in shape and, you know, trying to get better uh, because a lot of the teams are obviously they're not going to be winning a title to come back and play whatever it is, 16 to 20 games, maybe, you know, whatever they're going to do. But I think the Clippers come back and, and are as ready as can be. Are they going to be the product that we saw demolish the Warriors the last game they played? Probably not. But I think that they're going to be as fit as any team that is, you know, in, in the association. Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. While you're waiting this out at home, you can still have some fun betting at betonline.ag. Despite no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager, including their casino with poker and blackjack. And sports aren't totally done. There's still esports, American Idol, Big Brother, the elections, the spelling bee, and their $750,000 poker series. Really anything you can think of, it's there to bet on on betonline.ag. There is still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your wagering experts. Obviously, no one really knows what the NBA will look like if it does come back this season, if they'll be in one centralized location, or as you alluded to, there is still regular season games that are remaining, but... Would, you know, if that would be scrapped and if teams would have to go straight into the playoffs. Have you heard anything about any potential solution if the NBA season is to continue this year? No, and I'm, I only know what I read, what everybody else reads. So my information is not directly connected uh, to the team. I know that I actually, maybe two weeks ago, wasn't very optimistic that they were going to even come back at all. And then you're hearing things like from Dr. Fauci saying, you know what, sports without fans is not... Uh, undoable. Uh, we can figure out a way to get it done. And, um, you know, considering there there isn't that much left of the regular season, if players had to be quarantined, I, I'm sure they would want to get it done. I'm sure the players would love to finish this out. So I'm more optimistic than I was two weeks ago. But like I said, I only know what I read. Yeah. 
and, and, and no one has an answer right now. They don't. But I like that the NBA came out and said, look, we're going to be out until end of May. And then if there's, a, if there's an opportunity to come back, we'll figure it out. Um, and this is where great leadership comes in. And I think Adam Silver, perfect man for the job. You know, the NBA just, in my mind, and they're not always flawless, but they just always seem to do the right thing. I just, I love working in this league and, you know, they'll make the right decision. And if that decision is the unfortunate one to scrap the season, then so be it. Um, I think they do everything imaginable from quarantining players in a, in a central location to, to doing whatever they need to do to finish this season. They will unturn every stone to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Brian, it's, it's really, we've heard all the news about this virus and, you know, everything that was surrounding it, but it still kind of didn't feel really real until that Wednesday night with the, the Rudy Gobert situation. And uh, I know that you mentioned the Clippers last game they played was against the Warriors. It was just going to be a day later. The Warriors were going to play a game without fans. Uh, how much did you feel kind of this surrounding and then just the quick shift after the, the Gobert incident, if you would, that, that led us to where we are now? Well, it's funny. We had the game. Um, so I, I think we played the Lakers on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And that was an ABC game. And then the following game was a Tuesday in Golden State, which was a TNT game. And I bring that up because we weren't going to do it. But I've been going to all the games. Whether we're doing them or not, I've been there. Yeah. And uh, I was ready to leave for the flight. I had already packed. I had gotten my stuff ready for the game on Tuesday. Again, we were not doing it, but I was going to be in attendance in Golden State. And I got a call at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, from the Clippers saying, "Hey, look, man, we're we're gonna we're gonna jump in front of this a little bit. It's essential personnel only. A lot of people have been kicked off the plane that don't need to be there. Since you're not doing the game, we're gonna ask you to stay behind. And I'd never missed a game in my life. Wow. I, I've been to every game for whatever it is, 14, 15 years. But I understood, you know. And that was the first time it kind of affected me." And uh, they, they get through the game. And then on Wednesday, I was like following it almost live on, on Twitter yeah. with the Gobert situation. And I'm like, man, that is crazy. And boom, right away, I, I kind of felt what was going to happen. And it did. As I said earlier, the NBA always makes the right decision in my mind, um, you know, to shut it down. And I honestly, you know, Adam Silver came out a couple of days ago and said seven players had tested. I think that's pretty remarkable. Uh, considering how you can trace, you know, Gobert play, you know, I know somebody did a diagram where every player would have been affected after Gobert was diagnosed over a two-week stretch or whatever it was. The fact that there's only seven players that have been uh, affected by this is truly remarkable. That is not me saying we should go ahead and play the season. I'm just saying it is crazy uh, for as much physical contact as there is in, in the game of basketball that only seven players we're affected by it. I think that's terrific, uh, but we need to see it be zero going forward. Yeah, no question about that. And and Brian, of course, this is your, your first year as the, the TV play-by-play for the Clippers. You've been doing the radio for a very long time as well. And of course, now taking over for the great Ralph Lawler. What's the transition been like for you personally, just from, from one, just radio to TV, and then obviously filling those big shoes of Ralph and, and stepping into that role? I've really enjoyed um, learning you know, something new, you know, I did radio, uh, I've been doing radio since 1996, you know, in one form or another, one league or another. And no, no, I did not have all the answers, but I felt like I, I knew what I was doing every night. I had a good comfort level. I always tried to push 
anything. I tried to push it forward. You know, I was a guy that would listen to every game he does and try to figure out how to get better. What else can I do? What else can I add? And when I moved over to TV, it was like I was starting brand new again in a great way. I was out of my comfort zone. I was super nervous for games. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of people in my ear and not negative ways. I loved having an analyst. Like to me, just chatting hoops is my favorite thing. And having a producer come in and with critiques and saying, hey, watch it here. Hey, good stuff here. More of this, less of that. I loved it. I loved it. And uh, I would go back and I'd watch the games and, you know, I'd be like, well, why would you say something like that? That is <laughs> ridiculous. And then other times I felt like, hey, that was a good point or you got out of the way. Um, sometimes the best calls are when I didn't say anything at all. Um, but it's been a lot of fun just learning. And, uh, you know, it's a different platform. You know, on radio, I was the whole thing in that. And I didn't have an analyst. So I got to chat for the entire two and a half to three hours here. It's, it's much less and not in a negative way for me. I, I, I enjoy it. And, you know, working with a big team, a production team is it's it's, you know, it, it's fun to get out of your comfort zones, depending on where you're getting out of your comfort zone and what kind of area you're getting out of it. But this was really enjoyable to me. And I, I've got a lot to learn. Uh, having some good games early was very fun and very helpful, uh, I think, just to get used to everything in that level. But I've enjoyed it, but with lots to learn for sure. Yeah, and I can tell you that Clipper Nation has really enjoyed it as well. You've done an amazing job. So uh, we've obviously, it's not a, it's a, not an easy thing to do to step in for a legend, but uh, wouldn't have anyone else do it. Uh, Brian, I know you mentioned the, the, the playoffs are obviously the big thing for the Clippers, and that seems to resonate a little more just because of all the, the pain, really, that this franchise has felt in the playoffs with some really tough losses. There's obviously been some great moments inter, intermixed into there, but... Um, when you look back through your time with the Clippers, uh, throwing those bad playoff losses out of the way, what are the th good things that stand out to you or some of the, the best calls, best games that you've seen in your time? You know, there, there's a, a handful of them uh, that, that really jump out. But, you know, in order, you know, the win against Memphis, uh, round one, game one, I want to say it was late April of 2012. That, that was such such an amazing game and atmosphere we went into that series against memphis chris was a little nicked up um memphis had had a great run the year before and i i honestly felt like man it was i felt like memphis was one percent better than the clippers one i'm like i just feel like that experience is going to be a problem and that first that first quarter i think the clippers are down like 20 five to seven yeah. and I'm like oh this is this is gonna be rough it got worse but then they battled back and this was our first real entry point to Chris Paul like we had seen him for you know the 66 games remember that was the lockout so he played 66 games of the Clippers that year give or take and we got a feeling of when when the game is on the line and when it's really up for grabs what he can do and he just willed his team to win that game that series it was such a highlight then, of course, with the San Antonio buzzer beater from Chris in Game 7. And then the two wins last year were just – that's my all-time favorite team is last year's team. Yeah. The 31-point comeback. Uh, and then what – which was amazing, right? That's insane. <laughs> I, I, And I honestly believe this. Like, I felt like the Game 5 win at Oracle was bigger because, number one, the Clippers had a win in the series. So you can't say that Golden State didn't play well or they didn't understand what they were up against. 
the Clippers were on the board in the series in Oracle and to come in the next time and control the game for 48 minutes against, I think, the best team ever assembled was amazing. They were so good, that Clipper team, that, and I stand by it. I really believe from a talent standpoint, roster standpoint, that, that Warrior team last year was amazing, the best ever. They had to adjust to the Clippers in game six. They had to make a starting lineup adjustment, putting in Sean Livingston uh, for defensive purposes to slow down the Clippers because they went with Jermichael Green at the center spot for most of the game. I loved it. And uh, that team was all so much fun. And that optimism that we talked about earlier, that was all year. Like you just got a sense of that team all year, having something to play for, getting into the playoffs, and, and where we are now with, with that great lineup, that nucleus of that, that you know, the tent poles of the team last year with, you know, Pat, Lou, and Trez. It's just been a lot of fun. And I know there's more playoff memories down the road, uh, ones that don't necessarily just happen in the first round. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's been great, and I look forward to more. And has there ever been a, a more beneficial trade for really both teams? Obviously, for the Rockets, they got a star in Chris Paul who – didn't work out for them, but they nearly got to the championship. And then the Clippers, you mentioned, kind of reestablished their identity with with three guys and and Lou Beverly and Trez, who just really exemplify what their identity and their their heart is now. I, I just you know between the Chris and the Blake trade, it, it's unbelievable. And um, you you know it, it's funny because a lot of people had said the culture went sideways. So they shipped out Chris Paul. I, I Listen, Chris Paul, I knew you had a chance to win every night when Chris was on the floor, but I, I agreed with the trade. I was happy that it happened. And then to bring in guys like Lou Williams, journeyman player at that time, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and Pat Beverly, a guy that I loved from afar. I really did like him. I just loved how he played, but I didn't think he could impact an entire team, an entire season, right? I thought he'd be – like almost like a, a, a Mariano Rivera, a guy that came in for moments that would shut you down and then he'd sit back. And then you had Trez, who was kind of a question mark. Yeah. Well, boy, was I wrong on the assessments of those guys because <laughs> Lou came in and, and I would talk to Doc off the air, not that it wasn't uh, for, not that it wasn't, wasn't good enough for public consumption, but he would just rave about Lou's leadership in the locker room. You saw that Pat, not last, not two years ago, but last year, yeah. Yeah, he can be a leader for an entire game, an entire season. He is absolutely who you want. And then what what, what can you say about Trez that hasn't already been said? What a steal uh, he was in that draft. And really almost a throw-in for Houston just to make the cap work. Imagine Trez and Chris Paul in pick and rolls. Oh. I mean, <laughs> you think Lou and Trez are pretty good, you know? Um, so it worked out well, very, very well. It set the culture for the Clippers that we enjoy now, that tough-minded come from behind you know counted out guys like Lou Pat Trez and you know even Kawhi and Paul George are, are somewhat of those guys late lottery picks from lower level mid-level you know college programs I mean it's the exact DNA the Clippers want it's what they have and it's what's going to serve them well down the road yeah and I know you mentioned that obviously the front office has been and continues to be incredible for this Clippers team you know no matter what happens whether this season continues or not uh, looking forward to next season, they're going to have big decisions to make in the offseason. We mentioned Trez. He's going to be a free agent who's going to get a big payday. And you have the guys that you just added in Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson, who will also be free agents. Uh, how do you think they approach this offseason? And we know Steve Ballmer has deep pockets if 
they can bring everyone back, just probably going to the luxury tax to do it. Well, I, listen, this, and I speak for just my observations and not conversations that I've had. If Steve Ballmer thinks that this team can win a title, he will pay whatever the luxury tax is. Yeah. And, and and I don't mean that to be flippant or funny. Um, and it's what any owner should do, to be honest. If you feel that your team is truly a contender, you pay the taxes. And um, that's I see that happening. Now, I, I don't if that that's if that's the recommendation from the front office. If that's what Lawrence Frank and Mark Hughes and Trent Redden and uh, you know Michael Winger say, "Hey, these are our guys. We can win the title if you sign these guys." Steve Ballmer, I don't think flinches. I think he says, "Okay, let's go do it." The, the question that I think a lot of teams are going to have now is how this matches up in the playoffs. Yeah, and this Clippers, this is the Bucks, this is the Lakers. Uh, certainly, the Rockets are in this category. You don't have that test of the playoffs to say this works. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, can the Rockets coexist in the playoffs with Russ and James Harden? I don't know. Um, is that length going to be a benefit or a negative for the Lakers come playoff time? Probably more of a positive than anything else. But you're just wondering, does this work? And the Clippers are going to have those same questions if they're not able to go through a playoff series with some of these guys. Now, for the record, my answer is yes. I think those guys work. I think this is the best roster stating the obvious for the Clippers. I think it's the best roster in the league for sure. And I definitely think it works, but you, you want to see it verified. All teams are going to have those questions. The Clippers are no exception. But if that front office says we can win a title with this team, I think they will do whatever they can to make it work. Yeah. And Brian, final question before I let you go. Uh, we know that it's been such an exciting season up until this point, And a big part of that has been the battle for LA, the Clippers and Lakers have kind of been the subplot for the entire season with both of them really beefing up with the Lakers with getting AD to join LeBron and everything we know about the Clippers. What's it been like to, to be a part of those three really entertaining games and just the prospect of, before all this happened, uh, a potential playoff series between these two Titans in the same building? Well, if there's one negative to my season is that all those games have been network games. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't done any of them, and I was so in disbelief when I saw the schedule come out and it was one of the it was the only negative thing about shifting from radio to TV on radio you do all the games on TV they take about 12 of them the more yeah. games they take the better your team is it's a it's a blessing and a curse but I was at all the games and I'll, I'll tell you man I, that's that that Western Conference playoff matchup I mistake it's going to be Lakers and Clippers there's just no way around it right yeah it is going to be amazing. I have nothing but respect for the Lakers and how they have played all year long. The league is a great place when LeBron James is relevant, which he certainly is. I think he's a top three MVP candidate. And um, I'm so curious to see the Clippers cross blades with them. Does that mean if the Clippers win, it's a Clipper town? No, it does not. Uh, not even close. But um, I think it's a it's a point for the Clippers to just move on and get to where they're really trying to go. They're not trying to beat the Lakers. They're trying to win a title. Um, I think that the, whoever wins that series wins the title, though. I really do. And yeah. I'm, I am really, really hoping that we get to see it. Careful for what you wish for. I'm not saying that it's <laughs> – I, I want to be clear, like I have nothing but respect for the Lakers and what Frank Vogel has done there is one of the most underrated jobs I feel in the league this year. 
But uh, as I said at the start of our show here, like, I mean, the Clippers have had no consistency, no continuity, and they're top five in both categories, offense and defense. They've got the most historic bench in NBA history, and their starting five is flawless. So I will take our chances, and boy, I'm telling you, if we are lucky enough to get to that point, it is going to be two weeks of unbelievable basketball bliss here in downtown Los Angeles. Yeah, we'll certainly keep our, our fingers crossed and, and hope that that's the case. But regardless, either way, Brian, I know that everyone out there is very appreciative of what you do, and you do such a great job, and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the show here today. Well, I appreciate your kind words, and I hope to see everybody at Staples Center soon. How soon, I don't know. <laughs> I just hope that it happens. Everybody be safe. Jesse, always great catching up with you. If you love scratchers from the Virginia Lottery, you'll really love the new Lucky Number Scratcher. 32 chances to win $500,000 plus four bonus games. Stop by your closest retailer and check it out. For odds and more information, visit VALottery.com. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Once again, a huge thank you to Brian Seaman for coming on the show and providing such amazing insight into his journey, the Clippers, and everything in between. So a big thank you to Brian Seaman. Of course, you can follow him on social media platforms. And whenever we do get basketball back, you can see and hear him on Clippers broadcasts on Fox Sports Prime Ticket. Uh, He is an amazing broadcaster, a great guy, as I'm sure you could tell in that interview, and very gracious with his time. So we thank him again for coming on the show. And we thank you again for listening. If you enjoy the show, Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we're also available wherever else podcasts are found. And be sure to follow along at the Believe social media handles. Go to Believe.com. So many shows on the platform. And follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Cass. So with all that said, once again, thanks for listening. Thanks to Brian Seaman for coming on. And we'll talk to you again next week here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.